Isaiah 33, verses 14 through 15 said, Who among us can dwell with consuming fire? He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. That's pretty good. That includes a lot of specific commands in there. Who despises the gain of oppressions? Who shakes his hands lest they hold a bribe? That's good. You're showing open hands rather than concealing something. Who stops his ears from hearing uh, of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking on evil. 613 to 6. I imagine most of us could probably commit those six to memory. Micah then reduces them to three a couple of hundred years after the time of Isaiah. This one is perhaps more familiar. This summary is more familiar than the one from Isaiah or David. In Micah 6 verse 8. We read from the prophet. He has told you, O man, O woman, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? At its basic summary, what does God expect from each one of us? 613-3. To do justice. There's so much involved in doing justice. Treating people properly. Making sure you don't respect people because of power or money, but you do the right thing. Also, you do not do the wrong thing to people. The prophets call out for God's people to do justice, to ensure that justice is established. God's people need to remember that today. When there's injustice in society, God's people need to be the ones who stand up and say, that's not right. We need to treat people properly. We need to treat people without respect to what they look like, to where they live, to what you see on the outside. We all should be treated the same. Justice, equal justice. And that's an aspiration we all need to make sure that we, we pursue. God's very clear, speaking through the prophets, that his people, his people needed to be involved in justice. So Micah in 6.13 to 3, the first one says to do justice, love kindness to do justice and love kindness there's so much involved in there too if i'm being kind to you i'm going to make sure that i am doing things that are helpful i'm not going to be speaking things that are hurtful that are things that that will tear down but that are things that will make someone happy show that we care and love them and then in the third place and to walk humbly with your god what does the Lord require of us? Micah takes these 613 and really boils them down here to three. To do justice, to do the right thing at the right time. As Dr. Martin Luther King once said, it is always the right time to do the right thing. Always. If you have the opportunity to do the right thing, do it. Don't let the moment pass. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So this type of thing, this summarizing, had been going on for hundreds of years. The arguments over how the summary really should be made, what should be on a summarized, shorter list than the 613. So it's been a very common thing. It's especially important in the age between Micah, between the prophets and the arrival of Jesus, because that's really when these scribes had invented all these other rules and regulations to keep people from violating one of those 613. 
Let's go back to Jesus and pick up again in Mark 12. Again, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, said, Which commandment's the most important of all? In other words, what's the right summary of really what God wants from us? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This command is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In fact, it was on that first page of the 613 that we saw a couple of minutes ago. It's called the Shema, which is from the, the word that's in the command in the Hebrew original, which says, Hear! Because remember, look, Hear, O Israel! Remember and understand, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The unity of God, the Lord is one. The Jewish man was supposed to pin this to wear this command and a couple of other passages in little boxes on his forehead and on his wrists when he went to prayer. It was also contained in the mezuzah, a little box that was put on every door that you uh, go into in a Jewish house. It was to be remembered at all times. God is one. Everyone hearing Jesus, the scribe and anyone overhearing this exchange would have agreed that the most important command, as Jesus said, is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and that we should love God with all that we have. Jesus continued and said, The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You see what Jesus has done here? He's taken the 613 and boiled them down, if you will, to two, which are love God, love your neighbor. That command of loving your neighbor is in Leviticus 19. Uh, originally, the Jews had only applied this to other Jews. They had said that a Gentile is not your neighbor. A Gentile is not your neighbor. And that continued well into the Middle Ages. If you have someone, you see someone that is in pain or hurting or in suffering, if they're a fellow Jewish brother or sister, help them. But if they're a Gentile, I mean, I have read the quotes from the Jewish rabbi. A Gentile is not your neighbor. Jesus, of course, will have none of that. One of the, the most famous stories that Jesus uh, told, one of the famous parables, is that of what we call the Good Samaritan. What did the Good Samaritan do? He helped someone as a Samaritan who was a Jewish person. And Jesus ends that question by asking, who was neighbor to the man who had fallen in among thieves? The one who showed mercy on me. Who's my neighbor? Everyone is my neighbor. Not just a Jewish person. And so here, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus will expand upon love your neighbor, meaning love everyone. Treat everyone the same. Show kindness to all. Uh, Jesus removed all qualifications on that command. Love your neighbor, whoever that may be. The 613 had been reduced to two. Look at the response from the scribe. The scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he, God, is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that the scribe had answered wisely, 
Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask Jesus any more questions. The scribe had seen that the real basis for all of those 613 commands in the list really was and remains. Love God and love your neighbor. Jesus complimented the scribe and said that the scribe was nearly where God wanted him to be. Probably would be if he lived out what he had just said. Is it that sacrifices and offerings were not important at all? No. It's really not that sacrifices and offerings were unimportant. The issue is they are nothing. They are nothing if they don't come from the heart. If you're offering a sacrifice but you hate your neighbor, does nothing. Does nothing. If you are offering a sacrifice but you ignore what God has said, effectively not loving God, the sacrifice isn't going to do you any good at all. Now, hear me very well with the next line that's going to be on the slide. The same thing today applies to church attendance, Bible reading, all externals that we might engage in today as God's people. What I mean by that is, and please listen to this part, don't take just that last statement and not hear this next part. If you come to worship services every time the church doors are open your whole life, but you hate your neighbor, it's done nothing. It has done nothing. If you come to worship services and you read your Bible five, ten times a day, but you really live in a way God doesn't want you to live, it does no good at all. The only effect, the only way that sacrifices and offerings under the old law, coming to worship services, singing, praying, reading your Bible, the only time that will do any good is if you love God and love your neighbor. Without the heart being in the right place as a foundation, nothing external is going to do any good at all. Think back again to someone who goes under that old law at the time of Jesus and earlier and offers the sacrifices every time they are required, but yet when he leaves the temple and goes home, he looks for ways to make sure his neighbor is hurt, that he takes advantage of his neighbor that he lies, that he steals, that he cheats. Has the sacrifice done anything for that person? No. The externals are things we do, and hear me, they, they are important. I really want you to come to worship services, to sing praises to God, to, to worship God, to hear from God's word. Those are important, but they are not going to help at all if on the inside of my heart it's essentially sick because I really don't seem to love God and love my neighbor. Does that make sense? I hope so, but please don't take that out of what I mean by that. The 613 has been reduced to 2. The title of the sermon, however, is 613 to 1. 613 to 1. When the New Testament was written after the time of Jesus, when his disciples, when his apostles completed the revealing of what God wants us to know in the New Testament, there's a place over in the book of 1 John where really truly the six, the 2, the 613 to 2 is reduced to 1. And I want us to look at that. 
That's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. We've really already said this out loud this morning. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, hates his sister, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Love God and love your neighbor, your brother or sister. How do you show that you love God? If I say I love God, how will you have any clue at all how, whether I love God or not? The only way you're going to ever know if I love God, the only way I will know if you love God, is going to be by loving and showing that I love my brother and sister. And so really and truly in so many ways, love is that one commandment. And that love has two objects, loving God and loving my neighbor. The entirety, if you will, of those 613 commandments now is consolidated in love. The only way to show that you love God is to love others. So, the question of the morning, if I haven't really been showing that I love other people, if I haven't been doing things that show love for other people, if I haven't been treating people the same, if I haven't been actively doing nice and good things to people because I love them, change that today. You change that today. If you're a member of God's family, but your life yesterday, the last week, the last few months, the last however long, if your life has a chart of doing good and not doing good, if your life has not been on some sort of upward trajectory, doing more and more every day, every week of love for your neighbor, which is how you show that you love God, then if you're a member of God's family, you can fix that by praying to God to give you strength, to forgive the failings that we all possess, and to start brand new today of showing love for your brothers and sisters and neighbors. If you're not yet a member of God's family, you can change that today too. Because if you're not yet a member of God's family, then nothing you're going to do of being kind to people of showing what is love for brother and for others isn't doing anything because you're not yet a member of God's family. You need to die to yourself to the way of living, doing things you want to do and be raised to walk in newness of life. Understanding that God sent his son to die for you. How do you do that? How do you die to the old way of living, living for yourself, which is living in sin, and change so that you can begin living for God. You do it by being buried in water and being raised to walk in newness of life. We call that baptism. Jesus plainly just said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Just do it. God wants you to be a member of his family. And if you're a member of his family and not living the way you know you ought to live, your moment to make that change is right now as we stand.